week of Rock Me Dead. It's been an absolutely enormous week of rugby. We've had the first Letters Low, we've had the uh, Lions series wrap up and we've got a few big games on the horizon and to dissect all of this as always we've got Wendell Hussey here. Wendell how are you mate? Oh Errol on top of the world um, obviously still COVID free up here in Batuta which is a great relief but in terms of rugby really really happy you know I think we did lose. We did lose the first Letters Low Cup which some people thought may happen. But I think, really, we've got them right where we want them. You know what I mean? Like, we've lured them in, that false sense of security, and we've we've got them in the perfect position now to strike. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, I mean, we have proven that we have exactly what it takes to beat the Kiwis at Eden Park. I mean, four tries apiece, you know, difference in it was really Noah's boot, and that happens. You know, it's a high-pressure game. You've got, you know, God knows... 50,000, 60,000 toothless Kiwis yelling at you while you're trying to take a kick. You know, that isn't where you get silence when you're going to kick. They scream at you, but, you know, the difference in the game, essentially, was uh, the Budanoa, but you can't blame him for it. I mean, you know, it happens, you know. No. They, I mean, history would have been a lot meaner to, uh, you know, the likes of Stephen Larkham and John Eels had they missed those pivotal kicks back in their career, but, you know... I think he'll be better for it, but look, it was a uh, was pretty tough to see a lot of those kicks just go either short or left or right. Yeah, it was a big, big talking point for uh, for a lot of people. The amount of kicks he missed, which potentially do win us the game. There, it was frustrating, but as you said, there's a horde of screaming, shrieking, shouting Kiwis going at him as he's trying to kick. He's a young man. You would hope that he learns from this, and you hope that he'd be better. But yeah, it's frustrating knowing that if we had have kicked those, we may have won the game. Um, oh, no, mate. If he had kicked every one of those goals, we would have won because he only got one of four conversions. He got one of three penalty goals. And on the other hand, you got Rochi got two of his conversions and all of his penalty goals. So that was really the... Uh, yeah. That was the difference, obviously. Yeah, it, it's a killer. I mean, my only thing with that would be potentially whether the All Blacks um, would allow three tries on the bounce there to close out the game um, if we had been True. closer, if we had been closer. But, yeah, it's it's an underrated thing, isn't it, for 10s in Australia, just to be able to just kick, kick the ball between the sticks. You look at some of these Northern Hemisphere 10s, you know, the likes of Dan Bigger, and you go, hasn't got an offload in him. Probably doesn't have a cutout pass in him, really. Um, just through the hand stuff. But if he gets a shot at goal, he fucking kicks it every single time. He just Look. passes it to his centers and wingers, and then he just kicks the ball through the sticks and puts big bombs down into the corner or sharp little nudges down into the corner. You know, it's an interesting skill that uh, a lot of people outside of Australia seem to be able to have, which is just kick the ball where they want it almost every time. Yeah, look, and I think there's one thing that our young backline really needs to stop doing, and that's throwing cutout passes. I mean, you just can't be doing it against a team like the All Blacks. I mean, this isn't bush footy. This is mm. this is the Bledisloe Cup. You just 
throwing cutout passes when you don't need to throw a cutout pass, you know, it's pointless, you know. Yeah, sometimes it's, you do have to just tuck it, tuck it under the wing and and um, take the shot from a yeah. from a Kiwi lock or loose forward and then just go down and recycle the ball and, and try again, get some more players there. Yeah, there were certainly some concerning things there. The fact that we stuffed five of our six lineouts in the first 11 or 12 minutes was unfortunate, given that, you know, at Eden Park there, haven't had a great record historically, which everyone's probably across. Um, getting those opportunities early on down in their half, and it was windy. I mean, it was it was fucking windy. It was, it was windy. It was that windy where you almost have to like lean to one side to stop yourself blowing over. You know, when you're walking along the coast, like that wind that actually moves your kind of body. It was windy, but um, you can't be blowing that many lineouts that early on. That would have been a huge opportunity for us to build some pressure and get some points on the board. But you know. All these kind of things, Errol, it makes me think, yeah, about about luring them into a false sense of security. You know, maybe Dave Rennie's been reading The Art of War. There's a bit of, bit of Thermopylae about it, you know, just bringing these yeah. Kiwis in, letting them play the kind of offloading, free-flowing style of footy that they want. That's fine. They got their one win at Eden Park. Now the second game at Eden Park, we strike. We ran over the top of them at the end there to get some momentum up. Then we strike at Eden Park, and as they're chasing us, we head to Perth and we get the job done. We finish it off. Yeah, well, look, I think especially in the last you know fifteen to twenty minutes of that game, if I was a Kiwi rugby fan, I would be terrified. <laughs> I mean, it was such a regression. This wasn't an All Blacks team that, that we faced. It was you know a good Argentinian team. Mm. It's just astounding to me how much Kiwi rugby is on the decline it's regressing so quickly i mean it's terrifying if i was a kiwi and i built my entire identity around a sporting team and now this sporting team is starting to you know deteriorate quicker than you know a vintage jaguar on the birdsville track i would be terrified yeah a lot of pundits over there in new zealand came out this week to say oh you know yeah the wallabies were bad we made the wallabies made a lot of mistakes but the all blacks were also really bad too like we were really bad too and we're going to be heaps better but it, it sounded like they were trying to convince themselves you know like yeah as you mentioned years past you wouldn't see that kind of stuff from the all blacks if they were bad everyone would know they were bad and they just get it together you know but it sounds like yeah yeah over there in new zealand they are worried that this team that means everything to them that kind of validates their existence is is maybe starting to slip and making a lot of uncharacteristic errors and it doesn't bode well ahead of this um this eden park game because essentially losing that first one yeah okay we're always going to lose one game at eden park really um but now yeah now it's the time to strike we pinch this one at eden park and off we go to perth and we drop in samu karevi the wrecking ball who's just joined wallabies camp and uh yeah and we finally bring good the to see him back. back yeah but, yeah but great to see. i'll tell you what though but buddy Real pangs of Ben Chun and Joe Roth in uh, Andrew Kellaway on the weekend. He's just, he's really coming into his own there. And mm. it's good to see someone so young with such a wealth of talent mm. that's coming up through, which, you know, aside from a couple big names, I'd say that Kellaway is probably here to stay in the squad. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a type of, you know, like a Ben Chun player, you can build a left wing around that. You know, you've got great teams build around their attacking mm. left wing and I think having Callaway who can also play outside and fullback it's a real utility back I just think the future looks great I think he was a real positive I reckon you're right he was real solid yeah. had some um, he great reads in defense for the big game he did he massive absolutely. massive mm. lift do you reckon maybe um he was feeding Corabidi 
a bit of piss on uh, the previous Saturday night, you reckon? You reckon he was like, oh, have another beer, Corabiti, and then just disappeared out of the room, and then Corabiti got busted, and all of a sudden, Kellaway's in. Look, I'd say that's probably not what happened. <laughs> I'd say that uh, someone of Andrew's work ethic would mm. probably be doing you know, some light gym, maybe a bit of cardio, mm. you know, doing some groundwork, maybe a bit of yoga, some uh, reformer Pilates. Yep. Maybe a walk, you know, something to get the head clear, you know, possibly, mm. you know, something a bit light. But yeah. look, I don't think Andrew's one to really pop the champagne before the uh, the ship's been launched. Yeah, if you know what yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. No, I hear, I hear. I do hope he holds his place. I think Pattaya was pretty quiet um, during the week. Well, mm. he's earned the right to stay. Yeah. Andrew, and I'd like to see him have another go. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe you bring Corabidi in for Bataya. I mean, Bataya is probably the most talented person yeah. we've got in the whole well, team, look, but he didn't do a whole lot. The only thing that Corabidi would really have going for him now is that because he's been out now for essentially two games for, you know, two different types of misdemeanor behavior. Mm. But, um, well, you know, arguably that first one wasn't very, you know, above <laughs> board, but we won't dwell on that like we did a few podcasts ago. But look, I think if Corabidi comes back, he will be hungry and he'll be keen to perform and really stick it to the Kiwis. So maybe they could share the role a bit, yeah, you know. You've yeah, got yeah. Kellaway comes on and, and at the start, you know, plays his 50, 60 minutes, and then, you know, you've got your turn and burn, Corabetti running it hard against the tired and mm. woefully inept Kiwi backline. So. Yeah, just running straight yeah. over the top of him. Yeah, the other thing actually I wanted to say about Kellaway was that try that him and Hunter Paisami scored in the corner there. That yeah. was one of the most positive things for me out of that whole game. Like two or three years ago, that try just would not have been scored because at any point there would have been a fuck up. But like yeah. huge line out throw over the top. Like we <laughs> couldn't get our line out throw straight just throwing no. to a front jumper. Over huge <laughs> throw over the yeah. top. Hunter Pasami at full speed catches the ball, bumps Richie Moanga, like bumps him. Normally, like, either the line-out throw gets fucked up, someone knocks it on, someone gets tackled. He breaks through, goes straight through, draws and passes perfectly, like, not behind Kellaway, not in front of Kellaway, perfectly on Kellaway's chest, perfectly timed. Kellaway then gets the speed right, does a little shimmy and beats, I think it was Rico coming back to cover him or Reese coming back to cover him, and then goes on and scores a try. Like, as I said, a couple of years ago, I reckon one of those things guaranteed goes wrong and it's like hot move, looks really good and we almost got there, but we didn't. So that's why I thought it was great to see that in those conditions, the young fellas, they just got it done and they scored a try. So I think there's definitely stuff for us to build on. Yeah, look, and on top of that too, it is always hard to see, you know, especially as as a forward, it is hard to see, you know, all that effort go into scoring a try and then, you know, you give uh, your fly half an opportunity to add a bit of icing on the cake and then, you know... You've got Noah who booted it into the port of Auckland. Uh, <laughs> from, uh, <laughs> wasn't really yeah. on, on target. So I guess, you know, look, I think uh, possibly Noah's doing a bit of um, training a la Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. kind of uh, doing what he can to get his boot right for the next test. Yeah. Because, look, unfortunately for Noah, I think the difference in this game coming up is going to be his boot. Yeah, yeah, he's got to get it right. And I he- think it's unavoidable. Yeah. He, and he got it right against the French. He, I think he only missed one kick against the French. But, yeah, he's he got to get yeah. it right against the All Blacks. Like, as much as, you know, it was great to beat the French and all that sort of stuff, 
Bledisloe Cup, always priority number one. Even in a World Cup year, I feel like Bledisloe Cup, almost priority number one. So, yeah, hopefully he's been doing some extras and has the confidence up to just poke it through the sticks, no matter how windy it is. Um, the thing that I think carries us well into this game, though, is Tate McDermott. He gave another good interview straight after full time. And um, yeah. he very similar to that France loss, he was angry. Like, he was mad he was really frustrated and the the interviewer was trying to you know touch on some positives and things to work on blah 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 and he was just he just wasn't having it he was just angry and frustrated and annoyed because that's that's what we should be like yeah we were close and ultimately we performed okay and we scored points but we didn't win and that seems to be always the case like we sometimes we do really well and we play well but we don't win and he was just angry that we didn't win and i hope that that attitude carries through the rest of the team and the boys just come out firing this saturday because they're just fucking angry and they've had enough and they want to get a win well look i think it's probably fair for tate to uh kind of focus on the negatives because look the fact remains that we did leave the door ajar for the all blacks um and they were able to basically capitalize on a lot of our mistakes. But look, this was a game that we lost. It wasn't a game that the Kiwis won. But, you know, just before we move on to uh, to some other games on the weekend, I thought that the refereeing was actually pretty good. Yeah. It wasn't pull your hair out, shout at the TV frustration, which I guess now is good. Yeah. Compared to the last games where you're just like, I don't think, this man's going to be able to leave the postcode without his legs intact. But um, Yeah, I, I hope we have a stimulus package coming because I'm about to put my foot through the TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, look, so yeah, yeah, compared to that, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Um, that greatest try ever that they scored that was disallowed. Also, Damien McKenzie, they didn't even look at it, but Damien McKenzie's pass was like a metre and a half, maybe two metres forward inside their own 22, but just yeah. didn't get called. I reckon if that pass was not on the halfway line, they wouldn't have called it. I mean, mm. playing in New Zealand, I think Kiwi teams, you know, under the laws of international rugby, are allowed to pass the ball slightly forward um, <laughs> when they're at home. In saying that, it was a fantastic try, but look, I think um, it was too little too late from the Kiwis. Yeah, yeah exactly. And look, this game was very entertaining. I think everyone can say that. Um, it was a contest. It was entertaining. It was enjoyable. Obviously, we lost, um, but we're used to that now as Wallabies fans. But it was entertaining, unlike mm-hmm. the pinnacle of um, potentially the rugby calendar this year, which was the Lions and the uh, Springboks, who you could argue are the boring box, the bore box. Yeah. Yeah. I think that series was largely underpinned with, you know, shocking effort of the English players there being, you know, Tom Curry, Courtney Laws and, you know, the rest of them and, you know, losing the captain so early on. But, you know, he was able Mm. to come back, which is great. But look, I think if they had a few more Welsh players, I think if there were a few more Scots in there, they might have had the Mm. ticket a win. But look, having Poms in any rugby team, I think will have a detrimental effect to it. Yeah, they they play boring footy. They're glorified crossfitters. Yeah, look, I mean... rugby sense. And look, boring footy is what cost the Lions this series. I mean, this English brand of rugby is just so stale and boring. If English rugby could be characterized in a person, it would be Prince Philip in his current state. You know, it's just (laughs) dead and pale. No life in it. Occasionally offensive, like occasionally actually just offensive and an affront to good taste. Yeah. The Lions and the Box kick the ball 60 times during this game. 
It's interesting. The South Africans, when they won the World Cup, they had this group of players on the bench who used to come on and they would be called the bomb squad. Yeah. And like, you know, they come on yeah, and they yeah, blow yeah. the game up, blah, 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 blah. They're just the bomb squad now in the sense that they just catch bombs. That's all they do. Catch bombs, take marks, win the ball back, kick the ball back again. 60 times. It's like a kick, almost a kick a minute. It's just fucking absurd. Like the list of things you would rather do than go and watch this game again. Like I'd go Ikea. Like I'd go, let's go to Ikea. Give me a choice of watching the Lions in the box or going to Ikea. I'm going to Ikea. I would rather go to court and defend myself and ask for a section 10 and get absolutely eviscerated by the magistrate. That's what I would rather do than watch this game. <laughs> yeah. Clancy would have more fun watching the entire Lord of the Rings back-to-back, I think, than watching this game back-to-back again. (laughs) And (laughs) if you know Clancy, you know that he hates reading. And one thing he hates more than reading is watching books that have been made into movies, especially about fantasy. Really saying something there. Hopefully they can fucking sort it before they're supposed to come here in four years' time because... If we look forward to that and then we have three test matches that are anything like that, God help us. Well, look, I just hope that we're allowed to have crowds in this country in four years. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, yeah. the way things are going down in New South Wales, it seems like we're probably all fucked at this stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I know this is what Paul Keating said. If you're not in Sydney, then you're camping out. Well, look, I think that Paul Keating's has been able to live to eat those words because it seems like now if you're not living in Sydney, you can actually fucking do something with your life instead of, you know, smearing poo on the walls and writing disparaging things about the New South Wales government. He really aspired to just drop um, what Gen X Terrace House residents would call zingers, didn't he? Paul yep. Keating. But um, yeah, hopefully we can save the Lions when they come out here in four years' time. And there's some chat about basically we need the All Blacks to save the Springboks. Um Concerns that maybe the wall, I mean, unfounded concerns. Obviously, the Wallabies aren't up to forcing the Springboks into playing some decent footy when we have the rugby championship. Um, yeah. Yeah, All Blacks, Argentina play them. Hopefully, the Argentinians can play some running rugby, but they can also be prone to just kicking for the sticks as well. So there's um, some hope that the, the All Blacks um, can basically run rings around, around the South Africans and yeah, get them look. to play something that revives the brand of rugby. I think that the Kiwis are probably saying that because they, uh, I think that they're in a, a bit of a pact with uh, the Springboks and the Argentinians, whereby they will, will play the most boring rugby in the world. Yeah. So people in this country will tune out. Yeah. I think that maybe the All Blacks and obviously the the Springboks have caught this Northern Hemisphere boring bug, but look, I think it's probably going to be down to probably us and the Argentinians to really put on a show uh, for rugby yeah. fans in yeah. in this uh, upcoming series. Our duty. I mean, now that you mention it, the South Africans, yeah, they have caught that Northern Hemisphere bug where you just winning yeah, is the only thing yeah. that counts. doesn't matter how you do it. Maybe they'll just pull out of the rugby championship. Like, they'll go, oh, we won the World Cup. Um, we beat the Lions. That's good enough for us. There's probably a good chance we're going to get flogged by the Wallabies and the All Blacks. So we'll just pull out and we'll just keep our winning record intact and they just keep pulling out until the World Cup in two years well, time. I don't think that the Springboks are going to pull out of the Rugby Championship anytime soon just because it usually comes down to essentially the Southern Hemisphere in the semi-finals in, in every mm. World Cup. So um, I think without the annual practice against the likes of the All Blacks, I think the Springboks would be poorer for it and indeed we would be too. 
you're right there, Errol. So, yeah, hopefully they, they stay put. I reckon the Argies are a good chance of getting them this weekend. They're resting. They're apparently going to rest 10 players, going to change their team up significantly. <laughs> Argies will be raring to go. So hopefully they get it done. Maybe even a little multi, uh, Argies and the Wallabies. I reckon that would be... Yeah, I reckon that would be paying $2.97. So, you know, <laughs> always making, you know, <laughs> rugby betting is the true value, is the true value bet for the uh, discerning punter out there. I guess that's why you always <laughs> hear about people putting on same game super rugby multis for games. Mm, yeah, yeah. Being... All, the, all the bookmakers offer those markets on... Uh... All sorts of all sorts of markets for a rugby. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on before we uh, before wrap this week's episode up: Angus Crichton back in the rugby news world again. Uh, apparently, the people at Rugby Australia are pursuing pursuing Angus Crichton and, and might bring him back um, to play the code that he grew up in school playing. Well, I think that's a common misconception uh, with Angus. Because I think doing a bit of research now, Angus, you know, Tamora man, uh, they've got mm. a fantastic aviation uh, museum out at Tamora, which, which I'm sure Angus knows. But look, he's a lifelong rugby league aficionado. Um, yes. Going away to school, I guess he was railroaded by you know those bipedal pigs in the GPS codes. Um, yeah, yeah. In Sydney, you know, I think he played rugby union as a necessary evil to satisfy the uh, components of his, uh, you know, sporting scholarship. Yes. But look, I think he's kind of like a builder where, you know, you kind of know a little bit about everything. If push came to shove, he could probably install a toilet. You know, if push came to shove, he could probably install a light switch. But look, I think uh, Angus certainly does have some rugby knowledge. And I Mm. think a man of his size and speed and you know, sporting intelligence, I think he'd be a great asset. Um, yeah, he's he's rugged, he's versatile, and he would fit in. His, um, he do you know what uh, position he played when he played Union? He was a 12, um, Jesus like Christ. 12 or 13. So, yeah, he played a lot in the centres in, um, in his schoolboy highlights. They lured him down into the city. Um, and yeah, he, he traded that off. He traded playing rugby a few times a year for an education, so good on him. But his schoolboy highlights are fucked. Like, they're not the catch and pass highlights that you see a lot of guys. You know, like, there'll be a couple of yeah. freakish things and like the offload, the footage cuts as the offload gets popped up into the air because it just didn't go to anyone. Like, but it looked nice. Yeah. His highlights are actually fucked. Like, he's just running through people, offloading, yeah, running I really know. good lines. But look- like, but where are those people now, mate? Look, this is one thing I fucking hate, these schoolboy highlights things where you've got like, oh, look at this rugby fucking dude. Yeah, Angus is playing for the Roosters now. He is one mm. of the best players in the NRL. What's that guy doing who he just fucking steamrolled now? What's he doing? He's probably a civil engineer or something. He probably didn't even mm. want to be on that rugby field fucking 10 years ago. But look, mm. there he is. He did his level best to try and tackle Angus Crichton and he basically almost got put in a fucking wheelchair. But look, (laughs) I'll eat my words if Angus, you know, in a couple of years' time when we're playing the All Blacks here in the Rugby World Cup in 2027, Angus in the twilight of his career comes in and just runs the fuck over some All Black and, you know, it hurts him. But not too much, you know, just makes him feel a bit sore. Yeah. Then, then, look, then. I think we can tip the cap to him, but look, until he comes out into the big leagues and destroys some people, look, 
schoolboy highlights in this world, you know, are worth as much as, you know, a VE Commodore with stretch timing change. You know, they're fucking worthless, mate. Fair, fair. He's our special. That's all I'll say. He's a special. And he's at the Roosters now because, um, as was revealed on uh, Good Friends of the Show, the Hello Sport podcast, when he was speaking to them, Rugby Australia and Waratahs people told him that he would be getting a start for the Waratahs maybe around 23 or 24 years old. Well, he's about and 25 so, now, isn't he? Yeah, so that's the thing. So maybe they were right all along. They were. That he'd be look, getting a start, you know, twenty because he is 25 now. And so yeah. maybe that's the thing is, you know, he just had to go and win State of Origin and um, countless matches at two elite NRL clubs. And then he comes back straight back into the Wallabies and the Waratahs set up as a 12 or 13 or maybe, maybe he could even be a back roll. I mean, he's built he's built like one. Um, and he, you know, it's worked out well. Like in hindsight, they were right. Yeah, but look, if he did stay at rugby since day dot he wouldn't have state of origin and an nrl premiership to boast about he probably wouldn't have a electric blue porsche four-wheel drive or a nice apartment in bondi (laughs) he probably would have still uh been driving his dad's old 70 series land cruiser Mm. around uh, the eastern suburbs and possibly living in a share house with you know some fucking Weird yeah, looking like cunt from his high Jack school. Jack Maddox and a couple, oh, no. yeah, and a weird cunt from uni as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, he wouldn't have had games of golf with Uncle Nick down there at the Roosters either. So no, fuck um, no. It's, yeah, it's it's worked out for Angus. I hope he comes. I, I think it'd be a great signing. You could plug him, yeah, um, look, into the midfield or the back. He road. wouldn't have been able to have all those cool haircuts. He would have had you know a number four short back and sides with no facial hair. You mm. know he'd have a solid handshake he'd be going into those pubs and telling people you know that oh you know wow you see my father's crop of canola oh it's looking breathtaking how's your crop going at kudamundra lachlan yeah you know not bad out there yeah shit like that for sure shit like that yeah but at least now you know he's been out he's learned what life is about and that's what you know rugby league is what life is about you know Mm. it's humanity's great leveler it's the game that god plays it's you know, a taste of reality. What do they say? The opera of the proletariat. God plays rugby league and he watches rugby union. Yeah, and but he went and played rugby union as a kid on a scholarship and then yep. he came back to the opera of the exactly. proletariat. But just on this, um, if we had a bit of a NRL shopping list for this Rugby World Cup, who else would you be grabbing? I reckon Luttrell. Number one, you get him as like a fullback or a 13. Yeah, Trebojevic, I would, I, I, absolutely I would, Trebojevic. Yeah. Um, until he gets injured, but he'd be good yes. before he got injured. He'd be out in the pools. He'd do his hammy against fucking Romania in the pools. Mm. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's almost a million dollars essentially taken out of the ATM at Rugby Australia and just thrown down more Park Road. So. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Tommy T. Um, maybe like a Fafita, probably Dave Fafita would be unreal. Um, you could plug him into the back row. It's kind of hard, isn't it, when you have all these comparisons between like who would you bring across from rugby union to rugby league? Because realistically, you're just talking about an eight and a six and a couple of backline positions. You know what I mean? You're not getting a you're not getting a front row forward from rugby league. What you need is some absolute big boppers like uh, Angus to uh, mm. stand out at. Possibly be, you know, the second or third receiver or if, you know, this young backline that we have in the fucking Wallabies now will throw a cutout pass 
to Angus from fly half, then maybe, you know, that's what you use him for. But look, yeah. it's... Yeah, those would be my three, actually. And I'd chuck on Luke Keary. I'd do Luke Keary. I reckon he could be a great 10 for us. Dave Fafita, Latrell and Tommy T. They'd be mine. How about you, Errol? Yeah, look, I'd, I'd probably say the same. But look, I don't think that Angus Crichton's coming over uh, for life. I think he's going to come over and try and add, uh, you know, some Rugby World Cup silverware or maybe a Bledisloe or a, you know, Rugby Championship to his mantelpiece. But look, I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to go out to pasture in no. Rugby Union, certainly in this country. Maybe in the twilight of his career, if he wants to make some easy money, he can go out to the south of France, you know, put his feet up and some euros and, you know, come back to fucking tomorrow and run some sheep. I don't know yeah. what he wants to do, but, you know, that's usually what, you know, country boys like to do yeah, whatever makes him happy. A shorter version of the Sunny Bill Williams, which might be the play for us and the Wallabies. Yeah. Let's hope it can happen. But um, I guess we'll wait and see. Maybe we'll have some news by the time uh, we come to you next week. After Hopefully. After we pinched that game and we've broken that drought at Eden Park after a few decades. Yeah. Um, so fingers crossed on that one. But yeah, that's all, all we've got time for today. As always, thanks very much for your company. Appreciate you joining us. And um, we look forward to talking to you again in uh, six, seven days' time after a, a euphoric and historic win over the All Blacks at Eden Park. Yep, talk to you next time.